Welcome to another episode of The Shredder Show. Uh, today, you've got the huge pleasure of having a special guest who's flown all the way over from the US, so Victoria Scott. Yes. So thank you very much for coming on the show today. Today, we're going to talk about your career in terms of how you've progressed professionally and physically in terms of also, I think, the insane transformation you've had probably over the last 12 to 24 months. So mm-hmm. you won a very big title recently with the WBFF. Mm-hmm. What was that? Yeah, Miss Fitness Worlds 35 Plus. And in terms of that, how long was that a goal for you and something you were looking to achieve? Oh, man, a long time. Um, I competed with NPC previously, so I thought I was going to go that direction. I switched over to WBFF three years ago, so definitely that it was a goal of mine, but I didn't, you know, it's it's like you you aspire to win the title, but, you know, you saw this humility about it, like, okay, there's a lot of amazing competitors on stage, so it's, when you win it, it's just kind of like, oh my God. What was the big driving factor that's seen the progression in terms of you over the last 12 months? I think that, you know, I love competing and... I think the number one thing that helped me progress the most was just getting back into it and just training really hard. You know, I had, I'd lost a lot of muscle tissue with COVID. So we, we were living in San Diego at the time and we didn't have a gym for six months. So in addition to having like three years where I wasn't really training very hard, I was kind of just coasting and then getting back into competing. COVID hit, we had no gym. We literally just were in an apartment. So we had no equipment and I lost a lot of muscle tissue. So it took me probably 18 months to get back to where I was previously. And then um, I hired a new trainer. You may have seen him, Andy uh, Velsich out at uh, Fit Club in Las Vegas and start working with him. And he uses the new fit. Have you seen that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is that like the stimulation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's neuromuscular reeducation is what it is. Definitely helps with mind muscle connection. You should definitely try it if you come out. Yeah. yeah I'll try that when you to Vegas him. 100%. Um, if you're brave enough to do some quads with him. Yeah. Most of the guys end up doing like chest or back, which is still really hard. Shoulders, my shoulders and arms, that's what I need. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, awesome mind to muscle connection, definitely up increasing the intensity. And um, I mean, if you see my my progress photos, you would see how much growth I had. I think the combination of just improved diet, improved training, consistency, and yeah, I, I put on a good amount of muscle in the last year. Where specifically did you use, I don't know if you call it that machine on you, was it yeah, glutes, lower fit. body? Well, we started off actually mostly quads, okay. like quad training, and I did that for about seven or eight months, and then we added in a second day, and we did glutes. And that, like, it's amazing to see the transformation, actually. Do you get a lot of doms from it? Yeah. So that was um, the biggest learning curve. I think number one, working with a new trainer, you always have to like learn your client's body. So Andy and I've been really working really closely together on that. But my initial soreness was about five days. So we really had to be really mindful because, you know, I was an athlete growing up, so I already had a lot of muscle tissue and carry, I just get really inflamed my quads, my, my lower body. So it was a little bit back and forth. I think we had some boxing matches because you know he's like push 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 and uh with good intention of course but sometimes I'm like oh man I don't know I remember sitting in the parking lot a few times thinking I don't know if I can go in and do another session I said that to Brad a couple times I'm like I don't I don't think I can go in there you you live in (laughs) Vegas have you trained with Milos before uh I have not no I've heard he's really intense though yeah I don't know why you said that it's the first thing it reminded me of I remember training with him once in the UK and I remember him like destroying me on like a guillotine press and like laughing 
think of being like, make it harder. And I was literally like dying. Yeah. And you know, when you train with someone who's a bit sadistic and they've got a screw loose, they're like, they're smiling really <laughs> happily whilst you're dying. It's like, yeah, we joke. Andy has that like laughter where it's like the evil laugh. Like, I know this is hard and I'm just going to keep pushing you anyway, but it's good. I mean, I think we all need a good push sometimes. Do you do, do you still do a lot of in-person sessions with him, him training you? Yeah. Um, I'm actually, I, I don't know if I told you this. I had breast augmentation surgery okay. uh, three, uh, almost four weeks ago. So okay. I haven't trained in a month. Okay. I just started um, actually here in Dubai. I had yeah. my second leg session. So just getting back into it. Dom was yeah. pretty bad from that. Mm-hmm. The dom was pretty bad coming back into it. Oh that. yeah. I'm doing like half in like half the weight that I usually yeah. do and body weight stuff even. And I'm already sore. So it just goes to show you how just having a few weeks off of training just really still impacts you after I mean I've been lifting weights for almost 10 well probably 15 years it's interesting I had the same thing I had surgery last year and I had six weeks where I didn't train I remember going back into training again thinking like fuck me this is hard and like I couldn't believe how detrained I was mm-hmm. and it also gave me a huge amount of respect for how highly trained I was before my ability to push myself mm-hmm. and it gave me a lot of respect for like clients when they come to me in terms of if it's they haven't trained for a long time or it's their first time like understanding again like mm-hmm. how they feel I think it's quite an important thing for a trainer to understand that's funny that you said that because I was thinking the same thing yeah. this past week of just, oh, this is a good refresher on um, what it's like to be a newbie. Yeah. And like that soreness initially and getting back into it. So it's, yeah. it's an eye opening experience. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. You mentioned something interesting in regards to not being able to train during COVID for six months. Mm-hmm. How did that, did that affect you much mentally? I think it did. But, you know, we tried to stay active. You know, I had some band stuff that I was doing. I posted on my Instagram all the band workouts and we tried to get out and just do some runs around the block. I just really focus on nutrition at the time so ironically enough I maintained my weight really well but definitely lost muscle mass so you know it's hard but I don't know I think just because I knew no one else was really able to do anything I think I had like a little bit of peace of mind right now like going to the gym here because the gyms here are amazing just seeing everyone train so hard and there's I'm just I'm definitely having like FOMO and feeling just I think I said to Brad too uh yesterday I just feel like man everyone's training so hard and I just want to like go but I know I shouldn't and um you know we're here with some other friends and they're like you don't want to end up in the hospital so just take it easy like relax you'll get back into it so it's an expression like time heals all wounds after like Mm -hmm. another two three I think the biggest mistake most people make even when they're coming back from injuries is like they try and rush into the process too quickly rather Mm -hmm. than if they took like another week or two they can then build back into it yeah it's the stuff I tell on my clients it's it's the (laughs) exciting sexy stuff unsexy stuff but it's the reality unfortunately yeah yeah so hopefully I'm I'm hoping by like mid-November I'll be back full lower body and then start upper body again it's interesting you said that though because it just reminds me of how I feel training with like contest prep at the moment I think I was saying before the podcast that I'm in like the arse end of it where I feel like I'm dying and training just sucks and I just feel like a weakling and I see other people mm-hmm. just killing it and I'm like I just want to do that again like mm-hmm. it's fun being strong and like training really hard and pushing yourself when you you're bottlenecked in that respect it feels I don't even have just frustrating mm-hmm. and it's, it's a, like we talked about this earlier in terms of like the really weird paradigm in terms of when you're competing or someone's doing a photo shoot when you look physically your best and you look amazing like a Greek god is actually when you're at your weakest and you're basically like broken from the inside and you've got nothing yeah there's a, a nice window post contest though where you do start to feed you know refuel a little bit and start to get the body some more carbs so I had some amazing training sessions after my show and everyone's like aren't you sick of training I'm like no I feel fantastic I'm eating like 300 grams of carbs I'm like best strongest leg workouts and you know two months and of course that tapers off but yeah the post show training is I think 
think the best. Interesting talking about post-show. What's the biggest mistake you've made post-show? Uh, well, my earlier days, so I started competing in 2009. So my earlier days, I didn't have a post show plan I didn't know like no one talked about like reverse dieting back then you know that wasn't really a thing so I just you know stopped stopped everything uh, well I actually would do one of two things I either stopped everything and would just vacation eat drink go back to you know all the stuff I was used to used to do or I was so afraid of putting on weight that I would just continue the diet continue the diet continue training until I got injured basically so every time I kept dieting post-show just because I was afraid of gaining weight, I always got some sort of injury. So now, yeah, now I'm just really focused on reverse dieting and just being as compliant as I can and mindful of my eating. But yeah, I think the biggest mistake that people do is they um, they do one of those two things, right? Gorge themselves afterwards, no con post-contest plan, or they think they're supposed to stay so lean and they just try to keep dieting for months and months and months and until they crash and burn. It's interesting because I went off the rails a bit on Sunday after the show last weekend and then... <laughs> what did you have? The night after the show, my stomach was a bit messed up from like dehydration, de de yeah. dehydrating down, but I had loads of like cookies and other junk food like that. And then I think I had two burgers, fries and like some chicken wrap. And then, But like all I wanted was just fluid because I was mm -hmm. so dehydrated. Mm -hmm. And then the next, the worst thing that actually could happen, I woke up the next day after the show and I was like, oh, I barely gained any weight. I'm like only up a kilo. I was like, this is awesome. So then I just went to town that day. And like the first three quarts of the day, it was pretty much all healthy food other than when I woke up I, f I found I say found uh, a box like massive box of cookies that I went looking for and I found and I, I found myself eating them I'm like what the fuck am I doing so then I was like I literally had to go and throw them in the bin to stop myself doing it um, and that's when you know you're just starting to lose your mind a bit so then that was all fine and then I went and ended up going out for dinner and ended up having a starter a steak pizza an entire bread basket <laughs> and then got went home ordered like three massive cookies I have no idea why and then I like, had like horrendous acid reflux yeah. my stomach was messed up yeah. the next day I was up six kilos and body weight oh my god but then like three <laughs> days later i'm back down six kilos in body weight and wow. like it's the epitome of what's not good for your body in terms mm -hmm. of like physically and also mentally because i felt so guilty on the monday being like you fucking idiot like yeah. why did you do that but i think in some respects like my, my mentality is actually good to get it out of my system because like i now know i don't want to do that mm -hmm. so like one day i'm not having a structured diet i like go off the rails so i need to have structure and i think a lot of people who are very competitive like yourself and me you have to have a plan of what you're doing otherwise if i'm just giving free range to whatever i want i justify anything to myself if that makes sense yeah yeah absolutely i found for the first couple of weeks post this past show so my last show was uh it was mid august was worlds i was just a bottomless pit i couldn't stop eating but i just tried to i even told my coach i said yeah i, I wasn't compliant i i ate more food but i just had another meal basically so i tried to just like have steak and potatoes or something and have an, an additional meal just because my hunger was so high so he was happy with that because i wasn't sitting there eating like pizza and and sugar basically but yeah i just for those first like three four weeks post contest all i want is just more and more food i'm just a bottomless pit and it's really hard i think a lot of people make that mistake new new competitors they don't know how to manage that and they think like what's wrong with me and it's like well there's nothing wrong with you that's just your hunger signals the body is trying to get your body fat back up so it's signaling eat 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 and it's nothing like i always tell my clients like if you're having that signal it's not that you're broken that's what your body is supposed to be doing to keep you alive you know like your body fat's not supposed to be like i think i probably got to 10 percent, which is pretty low for a female you know i can't stay there forever so yeah i think um having post-show plan but also having like that grace of saying hey you know this is not like in my control there's nothing wrong with me for wanting more food i think that's where it's a big psychological game did you 
have you found it difficult after shows photo shoots things like that like mentally allowing your body to almost like soften and regain weight and you've got any advice for anyone men and women listening to this well i like to stay like on the leaner side all the time um so i probably sit between 16 and 18 percent year round for a female that's like more athletic look that's my personal standard it's definitely more work right i tell people you know you can be for women you could be in that low 20s still look good it's maybe not as much work but if you're in the teens as a female and i'm almost 40 right so that is just more work to me it's normal Right. To me, that's just how I've been for a long time. So I think it's just a matter of um, deciding what your personal standards are. And this is something that I teach my clients is like, you know, if you just act like a feather floating in the wind, you're just going to go whatever everyone else does. But for me, it's like, this is my standard. This is where I know I want to be. So I just, my food has to align with that. My training, how often I do cardio, you know, how far I'll let myself go off track before I go, okay, I need to bring this back in and just get it under control. So I think that's the number one thing people have to decide is what's your personal standard for your health and fitness? Where do you want to, what do you want to look like? What do you want what does that feel like to you? And then everything else kind of falls into place. Do you think a lot of people set their standards too low? Oh, absolutely. The reason I ask this is because it's came to my mind. I put up a photo from when I had surgery last year compared to a photo like a week ago. And people were commenting being like, oh, your worst photo and your low is like most people's goals and all this other shit. And I was like, I literally replied being like, yes, because their standards are so low. Mm-hmm. It's like people need to set the bar higher than for themselves and stop bottlenecking what's possible. Because mm-hmm. I think so many people think it's acceptable to be overweight and out of shape and like, you don't have to be muscular and jacked, but like for you not to be overweight and like essentially shortening the longevity of your life because you can't control your eating habits mm-hmm. is your unconscious choice and you setting low standards for yourself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think um, depending on what part of the world you live in too, right? Like you're what the sum of your surroundings. Yeah. So it's interesting because when we travel, depending on like we were noting here, how fit people are like the gym that we visited. Is it being Be- Be- yeah, yeah. yeah. That gym, it's like insane how fit people are. Like you think you're fit until you walk in there and everybody I'm like does everybody here compete this is weird Um, which I don't think they do I think people's people are just fit you know I went back home I'm actually originally from Los Angeles and I've just noticed how out of shape people are so if you're around that all the time like you start to think that that's normal acceptable yeah and then on top of that I mean I hear this from a lot of clients and you might have some clients that say this to you as well they get criticized by their friends and family when they start a fitness journey and they're like why are you working out so much you look great like are you trying to be a fitness model you know what I mean like they shitty little digs yeah they give you those little stabs and it's like well no I I want to do a little bit better because I know I could do better. So yeah, I think people do set their standards low and I think part of it is our environment, you know? So you got to get around people who are doing what you're doing, who are passionate, who are achieving more. I think that's one of the reasons why we loved moving to Las Vegas is we're just really surrounded by like a fit community. Not everybody's a competitor, but they're all sort of trying to progress in some areas of their life. And so we've just, you know, made some really great connections, made some new friends, and it's just really inspiring because, you know, if if you're the sum of your surroundings, you've you've got to be aware and like actively putting yourself in those environments so that you can grow. So yeah, I think standards are a really big thing that people need to really look at and consider if they want to have a better quality of life, not even just for fitness, right? We talk about business a lot, relationships, you know, like are you hanging out with people who are in shitty relationships all the time or who- Bitch about their friends. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I I think the standards 
are for most people are lower than they should be. And if, you know, if they just take a second to like really think about what they want their life to look like five, 10, 15, 20 years from now, and actually write that down, I encourage our clients to do that. Like if you don't have this written down, you don't know where you're going. So write it down, get it on paper. A big thing I think a lot of people do is they set, they think of too short time frames. So people mm-hmm. think, oh, in 12 weeks, I don't know, in 12 weeks, I want to look like X, Y, Z, and 12 <laughs> weeks, I want to achieve Y. It's like, I don't think in 12 weeks, I think three to five years, like mm-hmm. always, like think long term, because then it gives you the ability to set bigger goals and like the compounding effect and then just ticking off small wins mm-hmm. daily. Because I think the best thing people can do is focus on like winning each day and just making the right decisions like in front of them mm-hmm. and then having a big goal rather than setting like eight to 12 week goals, which is what most people do. And obviously, like within the fitness industry, we set a lot of 12 week programs, six months, whatever. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, if you want to become like the best in the world at something like you have done, mm-hmm. that's not happening in 12 weeks or mm-hmm. six months. Like, how yeah. long would you say from you kicking your ass into gear to then getting to where you want to be? What, what was that per- time length, you reckon? Well, I think it's the accumulation of like my history, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, certainly someone could, you could say, hey, I, I, you know, busted my butt for 18 months or something. You could say that. But I also had, you know, 12, 13 years of competition experience prior. So I think knowing my mistakes back then and knowing maybe where I I think back to my younger self, maybe I didn't push myself as much. So actually, yeah, we can talk a little bit about that. Um, One of the reasons I think I didn't excel in my younger years in bodybuilding, I mean, I won shows and I I won the overall a couple times, but I never really continued because it was always very short term. So I would would compete and be, you know, ready to be on stage, do a show, and then I'd kind of go back to what I was doing, you know, and I wasn't fully committed to like a three to five year thing. So when I started with WBFF, it's actually really funny that you bring, you mentioned the three to five years because I thought, okay, well, if I can buckle down and really commit to this and maybe I need, maybe I need three to five years, like, so be it. I'm all in, I'm going to do the stuff in the off season. I'm, I just need to like go for it. That was what was in my head. And I think I achieved these goals. I mean, I think I won the world title because that was my mindset. I was thinking three to five years and I actually did it in half. But I think it's because a lot of people, they come off the shows and they go, oh, I need a break. And don't get me wrong. I was, I felt burnt out at times for sure. I mean, especially with, uh, you know, running the business and, and our business growing um, pretty rapidly this past year. I think we grew 280% last year. So, I mean, doing that, um, expanding the business and then also being so on point, even the off season, I definitely felt burnt out, but I just knew that if I didn't do it, I was, I was afraid, I think more of being set back and not seeing my full potential. And I think that's one of my regrets from when I was younger, when I competed, because I would win shows and I would stop win shows and stop. I'm like, man, I could have been Miss Olympia, but you you didn't have the consistency over the whole no. year. Mm hmm. And what do you put that down to? Do you think that was a network of people around you maybe? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Circling back to what we just talked about too. It was 100% my network at the time. Um, Just my family situation at the time, my work situation at the time. It just wasn't really conducive of like being able to have longevity in the space. And so if you look at the top, top competitors or anyone who's top at their game in anything, everyone in their circle is doing that thing, right? They're they're 100% all in committed to, to that. And I didn't really have that back then. 
And I feel like now, not that I like rejected other people in my life, I just spent more time here, you know, spent more time with these individuals. It's because those people aren't, the other people aren't aligned with your values of where you want to go, who you want to be. And I think Mm -hmm. not even necessarily, it's not from a place of hate or anything wrong, but often the people who are closest to you, the ones who hold you back. So Mm -hmm. particularly like family members. So like particularly maybe like parents, for example, they don't understand what you're trying to achieve or they want you to stay safe and get a safe nine to five job. They don't want you to compete and have an online business and do all this weird shit. Like for them, they think, oh, you should go and work for a bank or become a lawyer or something and do like the normal job. But like for me, it's like fuck being normal, fuck being average. Like I don't want that. I want to polar opposite of that Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that was probably some of the things I guess that maybe sort of pulled you back in yeah I mean when you're told that or you believe that when you're younger you look at is this a real job is this a real like could I really pursue this and when you just say screw it I'm gonna go for it anyway it took me a long time actually it's even committing fully to my online business because you know when I was growing up yeah what you said like be a lawyer be a doctor be this be that and it was like this isn't a real job you know and now I'm like oh my god you know I'm helping hundreds of women I'm employing people and I wouldn't be doing that if I listened to these other people not that being a doctor or lawyer is is not you know worthy career it just wasn't what I was passionate about and as soon as I stopped listening to those outside influences and just said hey I'm gonna go all in on this as scary as it is and as unorthodox as it is you know if you're really passionate and good at something you're gonna excel so I think that's why why we've grown so much in the last three years and um and then same thing with my my fitness those are my personal fitness goals you know it's like i'm not paid to be a competitor i love competing obviously complements our business very well but at the same time because i went all in on that and invested in the off season you know it's obviously paid off would you say you're naturally competitive yes it's a very quick yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What drives you? You know, I, that's a great question. Um, I was actually listening to a, an app. There's, so I found this awesome app. It's called Pep Talk. Have okay. you heard of it? No, no, no. I'm going to have to check it out after this. It's just like a bunch of edited videos of really amazing, inspirational speakers kind of all edited together. And that came up. And I was thinking about, about that because I think it was the topic this morning, actually. You know, a lot of people say, like, okay, I want to be the best. And I think I do want to be the best, but I think I really value uh, contribution more. I think the root of it, when I really look back and say, okay, what have I achieved? The moments that make me feel like, oh my gosh, this was so worth it is yes, I did this thing, but look at how many people I helped in the process. Like just because I was true to myself, this is something I'm passionate about, but because I did that, I inspired these other people. And we have, we work with women who are 40 plus and who are lifestyle women. And, um, you know, I have clients who are, you know, in their late fifties who are not, don't consider themselves athletic. They never lifted weights. This is just totally normal, average women. And they see me compete. And some people be like, how could that be attractive to them? Why would that inspire them? Like they're not anything like competitors, but they actually are super inspired by me. And they're, you know, this one woman, she's been a client of mine for probably coming up on two years and she's 59. And she is just so like, I just want to be a little bit more like you. I'm like, oh, that's so sweet though. But then, you know, they go and they get their blood work done or they they tell me they want a vacation and they want um, like uh, what's it called? Stand up paddleboarding. Yeah. And they had the strength to do that and they they didn't before. So it's like, gosh, just because I was brave enough to pursue my passion and put that out online and show people, hey, this is what I'm doing. And they were just a little bit of that inspired them. So 
I think that's probably the root of why I do what I do. It's interesting you said that because I had a call with a client, Omish Singh, who I know who listened to this, a doctor from Texas. And he said to me, I think at the end of the call was like, you don't know how much you've impacted my life. Mm-hmm. And then also how, because he's a doctor, how I'm now impacting thousands of other people thanks to your help. 100%. And I was like, almost fucking start crying. I was like, yeah. fuck me, I'm getting emotional to talk about it. And, like, and even he was talking about like, so inspiring seeing what you've done with competing recently. It's really motivated me. And it's like, I've almost been reluctant to put stuff out there like that because I was like, oh, this is too full on. It's going to like, people aren't going to like that. But then the people who truly value who you are and what you do mm-hmm. see that as inspirational in terms of like how hard you can push yourself and take yourself to another level. Yeah, because I, and I've had those, the critics say, oh, well, if you're not trying to work with competitors, then maybe you shouldn't talk about that so much. And I thought, gosh, but it's kind of hiding a part it's of like, my living a lie. Yeah, exactly. And at the end of the day, most of our clients, they're just like, yeah, I don't want to compete, but you totally inspire me. And you obviously know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, that's, <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, we have definitely a lot of clients who, because of their journey, they have 30, 40, 50 pounds. They've had uh, friends, relatives, former like colleagues, people they used to used to work with 20 years ago, see them on Facebook and go, oh my gosh, uh, I haven't talked to her in so long, but I saw her progress photos and that's why I reached out to you. Um, so I, t- I remind our clients, you know, yes, you were inspired by me, but now you are an inspiration and you don't know how many people private message me and say oh my god I wish I had Karen's arms or I she's so inspiring you know so I have to tell them like hey you know you ever feel bad about yourself one day you feel like you're not progressing I just want you to know there's other people who message me about you and tell me that you inspire them. So I think that's, um, you know, I think that's at the end of the day, we can all say, Hey, I want to achieve this, this, and this, and have this laundry list of like accolades. But the biggest thing that you could have is contribution to others. And, you know, knowing that you impacted someone's life in a positive way. It's interesting. So like, one of the questions someone asked me recently was like, what makes you happy? And I was like, I'm not necessarily a happy person. I'm not seeking happiness, but I seek fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And for me, fulfillment comes from helping other people and helping people maximize the potential, whether it be with their bodies, business mindset whatever it might be and I think I can tell straight away you're very much aligned the same way in terms of like wanting to help people and genuinely care which is really Mm -hmm. nice to see yeah and all the rest of it come you know all the good stuff yeah and all the good stuff kind of comes along with it so you know even just coming out here we were thinking we were talking about this you know I think just it isn't about having this thing it's about having options like I think about that with with growing a business and being successful in business and and career and you know making you know you, you make more money but what does that really give you? Well, to me, it's like, you know, you can buy the cars and the watches and the vacations and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, you have options. And I think that fitness is the same way. When you take care of your health and you're fit and healthy and you turn 50, 60, 70 years old, if you're taking care of your health, you have options. You know, I cannot tell you how many people tell me, oh, you know, actually, I think that client that I mentioned earlier, the reason she started was she was concerned about holding her husband back when they go on vacation because she was like, she couldn't be as active as he was. And so she wanted to make sure that she could participate in all the activities or you know people say I want to keep up with my grandkids and that kind of stuff right and I think that's what when you take care of your health not trying to be a fitness competitor but just you know weight training staying strong eating you know the good foods and all that stuff you have options and whether it's what you wear or whether it's being active and you know climbing a mountain or doing wakeboarding or whatever 60 years old you don't have those options if your health's declining and you're worried about okay I got to take these medications I got to go see the doctor all this stuff you know like if you can prevent disease or delay stuff longer why wouldn't you and I think the reality is most of these things are possible Mm -hmm. to be delayed interesting question for you in terms of you moving I think you moved from San Diego was it to Vegas Mm -hmm. what was the biggest 
change you noticed in the move in terms of like the community you moved into like was there a big difference in terms of like fitness did that help your training a lot did yeah, it in a new environment you know that's really interesting because you san diego is a very fit and healthy active you know city is but i don't know for some reason maybe it's because it is a little bit more small town i know people don't think of las vegas as being small town because of the strip yeah. right we don't live on the strip but the i think the population is like a third or a fourth of san diego so um and there's a really big bodybuilding community there. So we just plugged into um, Fit Club is our gym there. It's a little boutique gym. They are growing, which is cool to see them. But yeah, we just plugged into the community there. And I think we're just all around a lot more like-minded people. And I don't know why that is. It just feels right for us, you know? What's your, obviously you've come over to Dubai. What's your initial impressions here? Somebody asked me that yesterday and I said, it feels like a bigger, cleaner LA. That was kind of my, cause I grew up, I'm from LA, yeah. right? So it just feels like everything is just vast, grand, clean. Cleaner. Obviously, there's a lot of wealth here, of course. We haven't really ventured out too much. I've only been here for two days, and I think I'm still jet-lagged. Yeah, so far, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, and I think that the, it feels like a little... I wouldn't say slower-paced, but I think somehow, like, not being in the United States... I don't know, maybe it's just, like, psychosomatic or something, but I feel, like, more focused Yeah. for some reason. Do it's, you feel like that since you've been here? Yeah, 100. It's, like, Dubai is, like, an intense hustle city. So one thing it's really, like, you can get pretty much anywhere within 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And you talk about like networking, like generally anyone who lives here, they generally live here because they're probably one of the best in the world at what they do. So like yeah. everyone you talk to is inspiring and has some sort of story can help mm -hmm. you somehow. So it's amazing for like networking and stuff like that. And from a fitness aspect, you've got like the best gyms in the world, like loads of great people like you come here all the time. So it's it's amazing for that. And then even for like the convenience of life, it's everything just works like seamlessly. So even if you, I remember when I went to the US in springtime, like going to like Miami airport was a shithole and like, it took like three hours to get through security and stuff like that. I just like, as soon as you come to Dubai airport, it's like click, you go, everything just works and yeah. you get used to that. And the bad thing about Dubai is it almost ruins the rest of the world for you. Cause when you go somewhere else, you're like, why like, does this get not... with the program? Yeah, yeah, like why is this so slow? <laughs> yeah, you know, that's how I feel about Las Vegas. Yeah. People there are hustlers for sure. Maybe some in a good way, some in a bad way, but just the connections and same thing. You know, I lived in San Diego for 15 years and I didn't rarely even had family visit me. People say how much they love San Diego, but very few people like ever actually visited me there and since we've been in las vegas i think we've been there for almost 18 months i've had half my family already people come there for conventions all the time celebrations you know uh, birthdays or something there's always people coming in and out but the people who live there uh for the most part i think are you know people who are expanding and growing and We've met a lot of people who have online businesses there. Like I said, a lot of people in the fitness space. I mean, the Olympia's there, obviously. So there's going to be a lot of people coming into town the next, like, about six weeks out from Olympia. So probably, like, next week be coming in. We got to train with some other competitors in the IFBB that have come in, and it's been really cool. You mentioned training with other people. Who Who's had the biggest influence on your fitness career? That's a great question. I think there's a lot of people. You know, when I first started competing, I was competing in figure. And the two biggest names at the time when it was, like, really big for me was Nicole Wilkins and Aaron Stern. And Nicole Wilkins has since retired. She was four-time Miss Figure Olympia at the time. And Aaron Stern and her were like competitors. But Aaron actually turned around and she became, she's a bikini competitor now. So she left, I think because Figure was really changing. Yeah. And she started doing some natural shows, I think. And then she just came back and now she's doing bikini. But they were really big influencers for me wanting to compete in figure. The look has changed a lot. It's evolved. So, and that's that's actually one of the drivers for me switching over to WBFF. I was really, I love competing, but figuring out like the aesthetic 
that you like. I'm a girl who puts on muscle pretty easily. I already had a lot of muscle, so bikini wasn't really an option for me. Figure was getting a little bit too Too hard for me. Yeah. And I was introduced to the WBFF and took a look at it. And one of their main categories is fitness. And so WBFF is uh, fitness modeling, right? So it's it's, uh, fitness, fashion, beauty. And so only 40% of the judging is physique. And the other 60% is basically modeling and marketability. So that was a huge challenge for me switching over but I think that in terms of like the aesthetic look and the category it suits me much better but yeah in my earlier days it was there was a lot of really really amazing figure competitors who you know like I said they've since retired and and the industry's changed and evolved but um yeah those were two of my big influencers for sure I had them on my on my vision board back then I used to I don't know if you ever do a vision board but I had a vision board and I actually had cutouts of them that's pretty sick on my vision board yeah. Uh, interesting question for you. So obviously you've competed a lot of times. For anyone listening to this, what would be your approach if you were going out for a meal and you're on a contest prep diet? Is there something you would go as like a go-to thing you'd look at on the menu? Oh, yeah. I mean, the number one thing I tell people is make sure that you can identify everything on your plate. Like there's not like sauces and I don't get soups and that kind of stuff. I stick with stuff like steak for the most part. Usually steak is my my go-to, like steak and potatoes. Um, and I can really control the, the size of it, quantity of it, and, you know, ask for no butter, no sauces, no oils, that kind of stuff. Another one of my go-tos is tacos. So because I can fit That's that in. I know, a lot of people don't think that, but I can fit that in pretty easily but i don't actually go out to eat if i'm on a contest prep diet it's, it's easier not to really let's be honest it's yeah it's more stressful yeah. to, to go do that and and just depending on the place like if i've been there before it's easier but if it's somewhere that i've never been or if people are like oh let's just just come to this restaurant and meet me there then it becomes more stressful yeah it's not yeah. worth it then mm-hmm. the other question i have for you in regards to contest prep is when you're in a very low calorie phase how do you and obviously you run a successful business mm-hmm. how do you maintain peak performance like mentally in that state oh timing time management is the best thing i number one i get to bed early i have a i implement a bedtime what's your bedtime nine that same <laughs> 9 p.m what time do you get up contest prep i'm like a bear i sleep i'll sleep till seven okay i'll get 10 hours see of i have the opposite i can't sleep i'm just awake i think because i'm hungry all the time well when you get leaner yeah when my body fat gets much leaner i cannot uh, stay asleep. So I have some some good supplements that have helped me recently for that. Yeah, I I need like ten hours of sleep. What supplements would you recommend in that aspect? I I was using a supplement earlier this year. It's a CBN product. Yeah. So it's a specific cannabinoid of, yeah. and it I think it has some other ingredients, but the primary ingredient was that. And I slept like a baby. So I don't like melatonin or anything like that. I just um, that never worked for me. But anything that can get you into that deep REM sleep. So. Do you use anything to track your sleep? I don't. I was thinking about getting one of those, um, the rings. Or a ring, yeah. Yeah, do you have one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're really, really good. You like it? They're good, but when you look at... The problem I have with some of these things for some people is that they, like, it's the perspective of how you use it. So, like, mm-hmm. I just track mine so I know roughly how much. I don't even really look at it that much anymore. But some people will look at their aura ring and be like, oh, my readiness score is bad. Like, I better not work out today. Oh, yeah. Rather than, like, how do you actually generally feel? Mm-hmm. Like, if you feel like dog shit and you can't, like, I don't know, you can't use a Stairmaster because you're so fatigued, maybe you should rest and eat some more food. But... Some people go so much off the data that like, oh, my HRV is a bit like... an excuse. Yeah, it's just being a bit of a <laughs> pussy, really. And it's yeah. just like sometimes you just need to man up again like say for example you coming here and having mm-hmm. jet lag your body's going to be all over the place mm-hmm. and like your aura ring would probably be having a fit right now mm-hmm. but like that doesn't mean you then don't work out and don't do what you're supposed to do if that makes sense well some people yeah they wouldn't 
but I, I did. Think, <laughs> I think um, it's one of those things in terms of just like listening to your body intuitively mm. rather than the data. Do you have any recommendations in terms of like clients you work with in terms of how they can maybe listen to their body a little bit more mm. or any anything to pay attention to? Well, for people in a caloric deficit, I just, I have to like, I don't know if you've probably heard clients say this, but if you're, if you're not a seasoned athlete, you know, things get uncomfortable and they go, Oh my gosh, like this is hard. Yeah, this is hard. Let me just give myself a, a, a pass. So I think I prep my clients. Like you're probably going to feel like shit sometimes. Like it's really that and, and, like the answer is good. Cause you're supposed to, it's like, yeah, I'm really hungry. It's like, yeah, like perfect, thumbs exactly. up. We're in the right spot here. Right. Yeah. Like, that's what I'm looking for. So I let them know, Hey, if at some point, during this process you you don't feel like crap or you don't feel tired or you don't feel hungry uh that's a problem mm. you probably should feel tired hungry and you probably have some crappy days have you found this is what i always find the day i feel the worst the next day i look insane yeah i'll have a couple of days historically during prep usually about in the six to eight weeks out i'll have a couple of days where you just feel like death for like two or three days straight and then all of a sudden you wake up and drop three pounds I had a coach tell me that one time. I was—I remember complaining to him. It was in my earlier days. He's like, and I said, oh my, and then I woke up on Friday and I was down three pounds. And he was like, yep, yep, feel like crap, lose three pounds. Is and he was magic? like, not even phased. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> one of the muscle groups women obviously want to try and develop and they struggle with a lot is obviously glute training. Mm -hmm. What's your approach to that? And do you have any specific tips for the audience listening? So, yes, I do. I am an aesthetic athlete at my core. So I, I played basketball for 15 years. So in my younger years, I was definitely performance and, and did all that. But since I got into bodybuilding, I am straight up an aesthetic athlete. So a lot of content that's, been, that's online right now is all about strength, strength, strength. And people, novice people, I think, confuse that with aesthetics and hypertrophy, which don't always translate, right? You can be super, super strong and not have the best glutes. That doesn't always translate. So for me, the biggest things that have helped me with hypertrophy are time under tension. So I do a lot of tempo training, slow eccentrics for the most part. The new fit has helped me a lot with when working with Andy because, and it's debatable, right? Because no one's really done studies on this, but I'll just say from personal experience, um, my mind to muscle connection when not training with the machine is has improved a lot. But I think anyone who wasn't using that uh, time under tension, uh, really focusing on their technique a little bit more, which is I think is a little bit different than form because there's little things that bodybuilders do that are just technique things. It's like intent. Yeah. So in terms of like glute training, I see people think that, oh, because I'm lifting heavier, then I should have better glutes. And that always, isn't always the case. A lot of time I see women using their quads and lower back a lot for long. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, we really work on keeping hips and knees open when I squat, when I do certain movements. It's all in how you how you perform it to, you know, as soon as your glutes get weak, a lot of people will like maybe shift forward and squat and they put a lot more emphasis on the quads. And they go, oh my God, well, I'm squatting so heavy. Why aren't my glutes growing? I'm like, well, you're, you start to feel that tension in the glutes and you, and you sort of move your body to make it easier. And for me, me, the way that I do it is I start it starts to feel really hard and I force myself to stay in that position until my glutes completely like fail so I think that's the biggest difference for some people they just they don't know how to get the tension into the muscle that they're working they use the surrounding muscle tissue to perform the exercise 
rather than isolating as much as they can. What would be your go-to glute training exercises? My two favorites right now are box squats okay. and glute hyperextensions. Uh, is, okay, yeah, I understand. So the rounded back. Yeah, 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 mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So that's really helped me with upper upper glute. And do you do that weighted or with a band or? I do it weighted. Yeah. Yeah, I can do about 100 pounds. Do you use the new fit machine on that as well? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, those are my two favorites right now. I know if everyone loves hip thrusters. I actually am like... I think that's a shit exercise, my opinion. Medium. <laughs> I'll do them, but it's not my favorite. I personally, for women, advocate, I think some form of squat variation is mm -hmm. far superior for glute development than mm -hmm. uh, hip thrusts. Yeah. Like I said, it's, it's all in how you perform the exercise. And if you can isolate the glutes, you can do uh, reverse lunges, step ups. I mean, any kind of lunge, basically, any kind of squat. And you're going to feel it in the glutes. So I think for most people, it's not that the exercise is better for glute development, it's that some people are better at performing the exercise, right? So some women, they suck at performing squats and then they go and do hip thrusters and something about that positioning makes them use their glutes more. It's not that hip thrusters is like superior. I think they're just, for that individual body, it's just works better yeah, or vice versa, right? Yeah, I don't feel, I think that I feel way more glutes when I do squats and when I do uh, hip thrusters, I I just feel like my whole body is doing more of the work. I, I agree. I think it depends on your mechanics. Like for me, for example, if I do a barbell squat, my ass just gets massive. Mm -hmm. So like, <laughs> yeah. I've noticed that a lot now actually, but like yeah. competing, getting really lean, I was like, you've got really developed glutes. And I'm like, I don't barbell squat anymore. So it's from years ago when I used to do it loads. Mm -hmm. And that's why I stopped because my quads weren't growing. My ass was just getting bigger. So I think it's <laughs> people understanding what muscles actually doing the work and yeah. like taking most of the load is an important thing to understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's it's all it's all in your technique, and I think um, mechanics, anatomy plays a role into that. So I think for people to say like, oh, this is the best glute exercise, it depends. Mm -hmm. One last question for you: What would you say is the biggest mistake most women make when trying to get in shape? Ooh, and how to avoid it? Biggest mistake. I think the number one mistake that I'll say for the majority of women that we work with, again, we work with women who are in the 40 plus category. A lot of them have never worked with coaches before because they think that they ought to just do it themselves. So I always say like, there's no badge of honor for like suffering in silence. You just, they, they feel like, oh, I should just do this myself. I should just figure this out myself. And I think that's, I mean, I don't, I didn't do that. I think that's the biggest load of crap. Right. I mean, I've surrounded myself with some of the best coaches and trainers over the last decade. Ironically, both of us still, you, you've got coach, I've got coach. Like, oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, there's been times where I had two coaches, you know, the, the top, top people have coaches. And the reason that they do that is because it's going to push them more. They're going to get more education. And so to think like, okay, you have zero background in this. You're out of shape you know, all these things, how would you figure out how to do it right? So I think, I think one of the biggest mistakes is thinking that you ought to do it yourself and figure it out yourself. I think it's an incredible waste of time and resources, mental resources to try and do it yourself. And I think it's the long way that if there was a shortcut to fitness, it would be through coaching. I agree 100%. Yeah. One final question for you. What would you, uh, what advice would you give to yourself at 18 years old? Um, I, you know what? That's really interesting that you said that because um, I saw Elaine, Elena Cardone yeah. posted something the other day and I reshared it. And I 100% agree now that I'm sitting where I'm at right now. I just, it just resonated with me so much. It was that she said, stop pretending that you don't know who you are and like, cut the crap, basically get educated, um, you know, own, own who you are. 
and and do the work. And I think a lot of us walk around in life, especially when we're younger, we're less confident. We think that we don't know who we are. And so we kind of tiptoe around and try to fit ourselves into what everyone else wants us to do. And the second that you say, okay, like that's a load of crap. I do know who I am and I'm going to go this direction. You just skyrocket. I love that. I'm going to write that down after this. Own who you are. That's very, very I'll send good. you the video. It's, it's a great video. Yeah. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much for your time, Victoria. Thank uh, you. Where's the best place for anyone else to check you out? Uh, Instagram? On Instagram at Six Pack Chick. Awesome. So, yeah. hope everyone absolutely loved the podcast. Make sure you leave us a five star review on iTunes. Subscribe. And we'll see you next time.